Hello and welcome to the Social Matters podcast. We are three social workers talking about social matters. Hello, I'm Fran. Hi, I'm Nadia. And I'm Eugene. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Gosh, oh. there was a big pause there, wasn't it? Because I, I think I normally say we're back again or something like that. But Back once again. Yeah. Oh. Okay, should we start again? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hi, welcome back. We've already had to start once again today because um, we forgot to uh, start the timer. But here we are. So before we go into the kind of main discussion point today, I thought I'd just check in with you both. How are you doing? What's been going on? God, oh, Nadia, I was going to direct you to Nadia, but she's got something in the front. That's it, you should have ate all that popcorn, I told you. Oh, I'm just going to have one more. And, and I'm just going to have one more, that's No, but said. it wasn't a popcorn, it was the cheesy bites. So Fran made these delicious cheesy, what are they, cheesy bites? Yeah, cheesy bites. Oh, they're so good. And I, I think, I think I've had, I think I've had ten. I, it made enough for like a small like child's Family. party. I think there was like, like 32 cheesy bites, but we've had about six each. I've eaten a third of them. But they were really good, weren't they? And, you, and you cut them out in stars as I well did. and they taste so nice. They're so cute. And what's the recipe again, friend? Lots, lots and lots before. of cheese. Cheddar cheese, Parmesan cheese, um, some smoked paprika, whole grain mustard, Ooh. mixed herbs. I think that was it. Yeah, straight up the chili, internet. chili flakes. Oh, so good, it's good, so well. they? I brought, I brought nothing to this party. Aww. Sorry, gang. Yes, Nadia, how are you? I'm well. I'm really well. I'm all f- like floaty and happy because I've just come back from a wedding. Aww. I love a wedding. <laughs> I love a wedding. <laughs> I love a divorce. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, Tough crowd. <laughs> Bring it back to happy stuff. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I just, um, it was um, my husband's cousin's wedding and it was just so lovely, mm. you know, tears and from the groom actually. Oh. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was just lovely. How long have they been together? They've been together 11 years. Solid. Solid. That's good. Solid as a rock. <laughs> Proper. <laughs> duh, duh, duh. And so, how about you, you? Sounds like. I've been pretty. Oh, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like. Charade. Yeah, I've been good actually. I'm trying to think about what's happened since we were recording last. Oh yeah, this week week I've started. I think I always talk about fitness stuff, and remember a couple of episodes ago I started talking about the skipping regime yes. that I was doing. Yeah, there yeah, that fell by the way. So oh, so sorry. Too much noise for the neighbours downstairs. But Did they complain? Nah. So then, how do my, you know? It's just my excuse. <laughs> I'm skipping. <laughs> but this this past week, I decided that I wanna try and run more so i've been trying to run in the morning just like with a skipping rope or just a run <laughs> swing and a skipping rope around my head no just a short three and a half k run because there's so much benefit in just getting your juices flowing or your blood running the adrenaline pumping for as little as 15 20 minutes because then you're so i'm so much more productive in a mm. day and i come home at like six or seven and i'm buzzing but i enjoyed the first one so i tried to be extra and did free runs this week and then always I played, being extra i know tell me about it and then i played tennis this morning my legs were just broken dead. oh god oh. so after this i'm going to sleep <laughs> good on you though uh, that's really impressive and i must say on one day this week i think you were up at about five going for your run weren't you yeah, so that's, to, what, yeah. that's impressive yeah I know. So it's, about, to it's five. about keeping it up five, though isn't yeah. it huge because often every time we do do a recording you do have your latest fad so we'll see when we next record <laughs> are you but, still doing your morning uh, run? You, oh no the morning runs but i'm doing the helicopter pilot course <laughs> <laughs> no but seriously that's yeah. really really good what about you friend 
Um, yeah, I'm good. Um, I went to a concert last night at Ali Pali, um, oh. which was really, really good. So I'm still uh, smiling from that. Lots of kind of singing and dancing. So um, yeah, all good, all good. Who did you go see? I saw Robin. Yeah, I didn't know who she was before you. Oh. It hurts you with every yeah. heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't name another one. <laughs> <laughs> What's that song even called? Every heartbeat? No, don't know. I don't know names of songs. I only know. Isn't it? there's one about you're Dancing. in the corner? I'm in the corner. Yeah, you're yeah. someone's in the corner. corner. Who's in the corner? You, me, Dizzy Rascal, boy in the, in the corner. corner. No, <laughs> <Watching you kiss. laughs> that's it. That's it. Oh, dancing on my own. I'm just a rascal. It's just a rascal. Dizzy Rascal. Dizzy Complain, complain, complain. Come here, come here to the max. I don't know how to rap. I'm really bad. So laughing at me. Oh, you're <laughs> killing us, dude. Oh, and I just got into another laughing fit. Come close to the max so they can hear you. Oh, oh, Do you not like my rapping? Mate, it wasn't the rapping, it was the head move. Oh, <laughs> all of it, all of it. The best time I've seen someone do that was. Um, what, the head do, uh, do, do Someone, uh, a karaoke, a, a white, middle aged child psychiatrist that i used to work with <laughs> rapping to uh, dizzy rascal that oh, was that was that was good. brilliant brilliant which is, which, which is perhaps quite a nice segue into our topic today very nice hey. so, so that was unintentional but yeah, you know no, i'm smooth, no, I'm smooth. Sure. so today we're going to be talking about working with professionals yes. so thinking about the different professionals that we work with as social workers thinking about the highs the lows and ideas for how we can kind of work effectively with yeah. other professionals yeah and nadia it was you who came up with the topic yes. idea um what were you thinking when you said what were you thinking yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was it yeah <laughs> well go on was you gonna say something sorry I, w- I was thinking you know we've spoken a lot about what we do as social workers and actually a huge part of what we do with social workers is working with other professionals to support families so i just thought it might be a good conversation for us to have um yeah. because sometimes like, that it's not just about working like we we give a lot of thought to working with families but i think we should give equal amounts of thought to working with professionals as well yeah and it's spoken about because even the title or what we're saying working with professionals you hear that all the time it's spoken about a hell of a lot there's guidance uh for social workers on how to work with professionals and for professionals of how to work together mm. with with each other but how much do we actually think about what does that look like on the ground how does that happen on the ground in in each uh, specific situation and and why do we do it what's the real benefits of it and what are the constraints of it and what does Mm. it look like i'm really curious about whether there's enough thought about what that looks like in the wider social and political context so i think yeah it's, it's good for us to chat about yeah i'm wondering if we could maybe start with a quick fire round of uh listing off lots of typical professionals that we might work with 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 a family because there's lots isn't there it's there quite is. varied so when you said quick fire round so it's we'll sounding like a, yeah. but it sounded like a competition so not necessarily a competition we can make it a competition okay, okay. Wait, <laughs> okay so last one standing <laughs> yeah go okay. last one standing gets off the podcast so <laughs> i'll start uh health visitors housing officer i'll go safe schools Teachers. uh midwives 
We are currently looking for a new host of the podcast. Nadia is no longer part of it. So if anyone wants to join. No, just let me explain what happened in uh, that moment. Okay, so what happened was you said schools, and I was thinking, that's so, there's so many people within a school in itself. Because I was trying to think, like, should I say a professional or should I like address you? On too this much. Point? It's too much. Too much thinking. We'll allow you. You get one. Go on. God. Um, Look at it. All he had excuses lined up. Uh, and now she's, uh, I thought she had one. I thought she said what she was going to say. Uh, at the end of the podcast, yeah. we weren't able to name any more professionals. <laughs> All right. Three professionals. So, we went okay, I'm going. Let I'm the woman going. speak. Sorry, I'm going. Sorry, um, Senko. So Senko is um special educational needs coordinator that works in a school. Ooh, look at that fancy stuff. Uh, I've got safe GPs. Yeah. Uh, solicitors. I'm going to say obesity professional in health because I've worked with one. I'm working with one at the moment. CAMS, and that's the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Service. So work they work with children who have mental health difficulties. Educational psychologist. Uh, art therapist. Did someone say housing? Yes. Uh, uh, no, I was this question. Out, it was out. a question. <laughs> it was a question. <laughs> the police. I won. The police, the police, yeah, friendly. Friendly. one. The nursery. Oh, that's a good mm. one. Speech and language therapist. Oh, that didn't come to my mind. Um, children's centres. Um, drug service. Um, so we've got like family support workers. Mm. Adult mental health services. <laughs> Just wanted to make that. What? <laughs> 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 It's like someone said it. Um, oh no! Have I run out? Um, or have we run out? Have we run out? I can't think of any more. Have you got any I more? I mean, it's bag? not an exhaustive list. It's not no. ever going to be an exhaustive list, is it? Yeah. No. But also, just to say as well, that it's not, if you work in like a, solely like a child protection yeah, team, um, that, yeah, you're, you know, that's a social work team, but there's also adult social workers. There's yeah. contact and a, assessment workers yeah. there's looked after children social workers fostering and adoption social, social workers, workers. there's um, all different ones so yes yeah. so depending on who you are mm. or where you work as a social worker the kind of professionals that you work with uh, more often than not will, mm. be, will be different i feel like i feel like we're going to listen back to this and we'll be like we missed out so many people, yeah. so many professionals. <laughs> but we and everyone's like, oh, what about that one? Um, but we've only got uh, a certain amount of time to talk about this. That's so we could spend the whole podcast talking about professionals. I was thinking around, I guess, why it's important to work effectively mm. with other professionals. And then I guess maybe from that, if you've got, if you can think of a professional um, network that you've worked with effectively or mm. maybe not so effectively and what mm. what kind of were the strengths and barriers to those kind of professional networks yeah so why is it important to work with professionals because i feel that when we're working with vulnerable children and families and people in difficult situations and challenging at challenging times in their life it's hard to imagine one individual or one service being uh, the service that's going to be able to help the family or help children to make the change that's needed and I often I feel that with the family included in this network so with you as a social worker the family and some of the other professionals we've listed I almost see look at it like a four by one relay race in athletics so you know 
people run around they hand the baton over and as a social worker you will run a certain leg of that race it may be the first leg the third leg but the professionals will run one leg family members will run another leg or different professionals will run eight nine ten eleven legs and you run your leg as hard as you can but you're getting the baton over to somebody else who's going to continue that journey and you may see that in the course of in in the time you're involved but there may be times when you don't see the effectiveness of that and more often than not it's the family that run that last leg because they have to take it home and that could be years and years later so it's I important. love your analogies. That was right. such a great Every, analogy. Oh, thanks, guys. Every, Honestly. We're both sitting here like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Pass I, the baton. I, I often just call it, it's just things that come to my mind. I haven't, I haven't pre-prepared this. Oh, um, so well done. Thanks. But yeah, I feel that it's it's about looking at it. You know when people say it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And that's an example of that. But then you, you have to have other people who can run that race and know that you can't or you shouldn't do it on your own. So working with other professionals is important and having knowledge of what they do is also important for us to get to the end of that race. I think that's a really key point because I think sometimes that not like professionals have an idea about what social workers do or what they should be doing and as well I think some you know you kind of referred to a bit earlier about the working together guidance kind of suggests that it's a shared responsibility so it's not all on social workers to hold all the risk themselves so yeah it's important for not only for us to make it known what social workers do and what the remits of our role are but it's also really important for us to understand professionals as well what they do and how they might be able to contribute to good safety planning and safeguarding for for children and families definitely and I I really agree with the idea about that shared responsibility because I think when it works well it's around having that sort of shared understanding of risk and around what's what's going on with a family rather than it feeling kind of siloed but that's not always easy is it I guess thinking about the different perspectives and the different role in families lives but I think for me it's worked well when there's been really, really good communication across the network. So that involves sort of, I guess, as social workers, how much we link in with the network, get feedback from the different people. Yeah. And I suppose it's recognising that the children and families don't exist in isolation. So it gives a context, doesn't it, to their lives and those different perspectives. Mm. Otherwise, it's just quite one dimensional if it's just one professional working with a family. Mm. Mm. And for me, to answer your original question, when it's worked well, I think it's when everybody has the same understanding of what the risks are and also what needs to happen to make effective change and help the family and the children to progress. The challenge is is that that's not always the case where people have the same idea of risk depending on who you are as a professional. Your idea of risk could be completely different. Yeah, and I think that it makes me think about um, working with professionals where there are like competing priorities about what what it is that we're thinking about it systemically what is the highest context for that professional body so for example with schools attendance is like always such a huge uh, focus for them because I think it links in with their like I don't like performance ratings and that kind of thing whereas you know for us it might be you know what this young person hasn't gone missing for three days which is something that is not to say that schools wouldn't recognize that but sometimes there's a bit of a clash where if their attendance has been 50% that week but we know that they're safe like that that is do you know what I mean do you yeah. know what I'm trying to say yeah it's a, mm. it's a different do you sorry I know you sorry. want to speak French just on this point Naz do you think it's something to do with the fact that we have 
more of an insight into the home life as social workers because we go to the home compared to yeah quite possibly though as a thinking about working effectively with professional networks then we the school should also have an idea about what's happening for them if we're doing what we're doing well because we're not supposed to be holding necessarily all of that information to ourselves like Mm. if the school are involved and we've got effective communication and good working relationships then yeah i'd hope that they'd know that stuff as well yeah Definitely. And I think there's something about being able to have some of those conversations around the highest context of the different people so that ideally you could maybe have some sort of shared understanding, not just of risk, but I guess just ideas around change and goals for the family. Because I can remember working in a court team with children's and adult services and sometimes a drug service for the adults would say, well, you're for the child and the adult, you know, needs longer and kind of how you are able to have that conversation that I suppose we're for the whole family. You know, we want the parents to um, get the support that they need for the children to be able to return home. But, you know, sometimes it's actually said out kind of openly, well, you're just for the child or you're for the adult. And Mm -hmm. they can feel not always because I've also worked very effectively across children's and adult services but sometimes it can feel a bit a bit split and, and it's how we have that conversation so that we have that shared understanding that we're, we're trying to work with the whole family yeah I agree with that shared understanding and a shared or I would say a co-constructed idea of how change can occur so individual working environments or individual professions so for example school or police or us as social workers I think individually we have different ideas of how change occurs so the theory of change is different we as social workers may feel that it's working not only with that child but with the family in a joint up way looking at family history trying to look at the risk factors but the protective factors as well like you said Nadia the school's highest context or what's most important to them may be getting the child into school behavior sorted out if not then punitive measures can happen and this the police are involved in enforcing the law and taking actions if the law if somebody's breaking the law but then in an individual situation where the three different people are working with a particular child or particular family it's respecting the theory of change of your own organization but co-constructing an idea of what does change look like with this specific family so that's why it's important to connect and mm. join join up really I was thinking, what experiences or tips do you have, like, kind of thinking practically, so practically about working with professionals, like, you know, like how you communicate with them or, you know, what happens in the day-to-day, what what it looks like? Because I won't just put you on the spot and drop you in it. I'll let you think a little bit while I I say some stuff. But I was thinking... (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. You see the terror in their (laughs) eyes. (laughs) I'm just going to Google something right now. So. <laughs> hey, dear Google, how do you answer that question? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, w- I was thinking about things like sometimes just picking up the phone to someone sometimes rather than drafting a huge long email. Yeah. You know, sometimes just speaking to somebody via telephone is just so helpful. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and in, in carrying on from that it is about developing those relationships so just as we would with the children and families we work with it is so important to invest in those relationships with the professionals so as you said I often like to to talk on the phone to build that relationship in fact it's so funny have you ever had it where you've had like phone relationships with people and then you've had a vision <laughs> yes. for them and then they come to a meeting and you're like oh you are not <laughs> what I thought that from Absolutely. our phone yeah. Yeah, there's quite a few some of those but the other one I think is around I guess yeah 
some of the ideas that we might use with families like relational reflexivity to kind of use that with with the professionals as well to be able to kind of negotiate those relationships because at times you might want to perhaps hold them to account or be able to have some more challenging conversations but if you've got that relationship foundation then you're a bit more able to have those and I think one example is particularly how around how children and families are often languaged and you know you might ring someone uh, another professional for some feedback and you kind of it can be quite pathologizing language and just how we're able to check ourselves but also others to keep remaining curious because I think that can be quite powerful when when you're getting some feedback and it's kind of like really really negative say from the school or from other people that we can then join on that so to be able to challenge that for ourselves but also other professionals is really important. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. And just as you two were both speaking, I think what maybe tends to be missing when we think about working together with a bunch of professionals um, as social workers is that we create a team. So we are that team around the child. We are that team around the family, regardless of the level of plan that they are, whether it's child protection, child in need, or looked after, talking from a, a children's social worker's perspective. But one thing that I think is missing is that although we are a team we don't start off as a team so if you're working with your team in in practice or you have whether it's a team a football team or sports team one thing that the team does from the very beginning is build up the team identity and the team culture Mm. from a value base from a direction base where do we want to go what do we want to achieve what's our culture are we a very loud direct and transparent team are we a team that works together and support each other so I feel one of the tips is that when you do get a group of professionals together in one of the first professionals meeting we have a tendency to dive into let's talk about the risks let's talk about concerns but what can we do to kind of help form that team culture and that team identity which will involve transparency which will involve inclusion which will talk about um, voices and views and opinions being valued regardless of the professional hierarchy which I think is unconsciously created mm. can I ask you a question go have either of you ever got a GP to a case conference. Oh my days. It's so funny you say that. It's because last week, one of our colleagues was saying a GP came to a strategy meeting. Wow. Can you, can you believe it? Can you believe that? When they, when, when she said it, I was like, sorry, let me just, let me just come back to that point. Mm. Did you say the GP came to the strategy? She's like, yeah. I was like, wow. (laughs) Amazing. I've never had a GP at a case conference. Have you two? I have one. So basically a case conference is when the level of risks or a child or children is quite high. We have child protection case conference to talk about the risks, talk about the strengths and and yeah, potential risk factors and decide whether or not this child should be subject to a child protection plan, which is a high level of intervention or a child in need plan, which is a lower level of intervention or go down the court route if necessary. So all of the different professionals have to come to this meeting and give their views and opinion. You're looking at me like yeah. say something wrong. No, no, okay, no. Good, good, I'm sorry. So yes, I have. Yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you had a GP come? Yeah, but so it was related to the nature of the case concerns, yeah. okay. and the concerns. Yeah. So the concerns were very medical and health related, and the GP had been the family GP for years. So I think that GP felt invested in it, and they had been involved with the family longer than I have. Go on. I was just going to say, if there's any GPs listening out there, this isn't being disrespectful to you. It's just because we know you're very busy. It's just a bit of a joke within social work sometimes, isn't it, about um, yeah. GPs not coming. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, thank, that, was, that was a good shout, Fran. Well done. I was going to say, yes, I have had medical 
professionals come a GP be specific GP come to a child in need meeting actually but the child in need meeting was it was a very it was a very interesting case but it was all private so it's all private healthcare all private schools and yeah the GP the GP did come to it mm. and I remember thinking oh man is this is that what it takes like yeah. it has to be private for them be, to be able to attend but like you say GPs are incredibly busy and given again it was given the nature of of the case it was yeah. concerns around munchausen's by proxy so yeah they mm-hmm. attended I, I was just curious about so we we talk about thinking systemically all the time because of our systemic experience and practice and training and i wanted to understand the dynamics of working together with other professionals in the wider context of the societal and political context and it makes me think back to when i first started in social work in 2007 which was pre the 2008 economic crash and crisis and thinking that social work in the first couple of years that I started was very different to what it's like now in the sense of services that were available, the amount of money that could be offered to to families, even the climate of concerns. So things like child sexual exploitation or um, things around contextual safeguarding, the impact of gangs, that wasn't on the radar as much as it's now and and it was definitely happening but it's not on the radar so i wonder what impact the changes in the wider social and political context has on how we work with professionals and from my perspective i feel that there's now there's more of a fear with professionals now and there's more of a worry because there's not as much support services around there's not as much money to give to families or there's not as much finances or funding in early intervention so before when the school could have maybe gone to their local school social worker or look at a children's center could have got one of the family support workers in the children's center to work with the family now it's those roles are not there because of cuts so people either wait for longer to intervene and when they do intervene it comes through to social workers and then that is setting the tone of the challenges in working together i suppose i'm thinking about the impact that yeah i guess austerity has on resources as you said but i guess also other people and professionals being stretched you know that impacts on them coming to meetings even you know because people are so busy and caseloads are increasing and there's less out there and, and i guess that can sometimes happen can't it where the network can feel almost fragmented because there is this reality of kind of high need and and less money and resources so I think there's certainly perhaps seen a bit of that impacting. Yeah it's making me think as well about kind of how we support families to resource themselves as well so I think you know when you're like the only professional working with a case um, sometimes not sometimes oftentimes when when you have another professional involved it's for some it just helps to lighten the load and it Mm. just helps to not make you feel like you're the one that's holding all of the responsibility so if there is like a family support worker that can help a mum fill out a form you know that alleviates the pressure for you and so yeah it's kind of like mirrored in the the work as well that we try and do with families of like trying to support them when they're going through crisis and everything's on them and there's no one around to support them how do we support them to find the resources within their families within their community so it lightens the load for them as well yeah i'm also just thinking about when you talk about support i wonder how because the stuff we do as social workers is like emotion it can be emotionally draining and hard hitting and actually i wonder how much thought i've given to how does this impact on the professionals involved and then as a result impact on how they 
choose to respond or not respond to the work or to working with the family so it's just something that just came to my head around maybe some of some more thinking and more thought or more transparent communication around how all professionals involved with a family feel about the case not only in the sense of risk safety or safeguarding but also think about the family or what they feel about the family or in the sense of how it's affected them mm. and whether these are factors that's impacted on how they work together because some professionals may feel actually I don't want anything to do with this family because I feel so emotionally drained or I'm scared about what will happen because as a social worker you're the lead professional so now it's under the bracket or umbrella of safeguarding and actually I can breathe easy because there's no need for me to be involved. Mm. And that sometimes gets played out doesn't it in different forums perhaps Thinking about case conferences again, where you know you might have had a conversation with a professional about how a family's doing, but it's not necessarily them being made always explicit or transparent within these meetings and these forums. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of an interesting one to think about how we navigate that and ensure there's yeah, I guess shared understanding around what's going on for the professionals within the network as well. And I think that's a really good point because. Just as you were speaking, Fran, I just wonder, like, I don't know if I've ever had that conversation with a professional about how does it impact on them or or how does it make them feel and how does this cause them to maybe share in case conferences or not share in case conferences and, and how does it affect their decision making? Because absolutely, because as social workers, we're perhaps more used to having some of those difficult conversations. Um, and whilst it can still have that impact, I wonder about some other professionals, if, if, if safeguarding isn't their main sort of day-to-day role, how it is for other professionals mm. to navigate that. Mm. And but then, what that then means for the families yeah. in terms of their understanding. If yeah. People aren't perhaps being um, as transparent perhaps as they could be. And then it's the narratives that are created when just going back to what we were talking about, the wider context is the narratives that have been created in the wider context of how the media represents and when things don't go as well from a social work perspective. And these narratives for for professionals who are not involved with social care or social work from a day to day can heighten fears or heighten their worries. So it results in them just kind of uh, passing things along Mm. and, and not trying to keep it with them because of the the fear yeah and that's what it makes you know our point at the beginning we think a lot about working with families but actually we need to think about working with professionals as well how do you sometimes the family's not the issue it's actually the professional network and you know managing them is a thing so having the time to have a separate phone conversation with them or catching them before a meeting or after a meeting and just doing that I don't know that like PR work yeah. I guess or something you know to try and try and help the relationships definitely and I think as you said so much sometimes is managing those relationships isn't it because it could be an email that you get that's kind of written in a particular way and how you respond to oh. it and managing all mm. of that is kind of can take a, a lot of your time but it's equally so important isn't it that those relationships are working well for the benefit of the family you know what would be great if we got some professionals on here different professionals on here and yeah. we had a conversation almost like a part two because we are just it would be great to hear look at safeguarding through a lens of a of a head teacher or yeah through the lens of a gp or through the lens of a health visitor because although we are all we all have the same thing in in front of us 
the lens we have on will mean that we interpret that in a slightly yeah. different way. That's a really good point. Great idea, huge. Yeah, so we'll go find those guys. <laughs> yeah. so I think it's time to us for us to start wrapping up. So mm. as usual, maybe think of a take home for listeners mm. when thinking about working with professionals. Yeah. I think just to highlight the point I made earlier around thinking about working with professionals as thinking about working with a team and to treat as the lead professional as a social worker to take ownership of creating that team identity and that team culture and setting out what that looks like from the beginning so talking about a culture of transparency or culture of collaboration or culture of mutual respect or a culture of openness and Mm. actually vocalizing that so it comes out of your conscious and your mind but into the open space between you and, mm. and the professionals and then professionals can be able to work with you and that togetherness will mean that you'll most likely have better outcomes for children and families. Mm. Absolutely and I think building on from that as I mentioned earlier sort of using relational reflexivity so kind of talking about the relationship and how you're going to manage that relationship and um, from the outset but also if if you do notice things you know if there are any issues in the relationship because sometimes you will see it played out perhaps in a professionals meeting dynamics will change um, you might notice sort of splitting between different professionals and family members and I suppose it's just being able to have the confidence to to kind of name some of that yeah. name what you're seeing name what you've observed to make sure that yeah if you do have those kind of ruptures in the relationship that you're able to sort of repair them um through making them explicit and talking about them and i i was thinking about not making assumptions about what them as a school or them as a health visitor might be thinking or and i think yeah just to use curiosity in your kind of interactions with them about not what what do you do but you know not to say so you then come across as incompetent and you don't know like what what people do but actually making not making assumptions about what they do do so being interested in in what their position is and what informs that position and also not assuming that people know what you as a social worker does as well to being open to answering questions and being open to kind of responding to certain expectations in a way that's not defensive yeah yeah real good good top tips there people um so it's time for us to wrap up so that's us for today one of you two can say where they can find us because I still haven't quite got there oh, yet. Nadia's just got her index finger pointing <laughs> at me since then. I knew it because I'm probably the only one who remembers. So yes, um, as usual, we'll love your feedback, your thoughts, um, what you thought was helpful, what you thought wasn't helpful. And you can find us on Twitter at Matters Podcast. Also on Instagram with the same handle at Matters Podcast. And you also find us on Facebook and just type the Social Matters Podcast. And we're, a- we're available to download on all platforms. So Yay. do listen and share with your friends and your enemies. Brill. Okay. <laughs> bye bye. Take care. Bye, bye. everyone. <laughs> <laughs>